Well, next this Saturday morning, we are heading over to the UK to hear about what claims to be that country's first residential care village, which includes a fully integrated children's nursery. My guest is Sue Eggersdorf, who runs the nursery at Belong, which is a care home in Chester. Now, while some daycare centres and residential facilities do run intergenerational projects, Sue says Belong is different because it's not just about the short term, but about actually living together day in, day out. I bet you may have some questions for Sue. 2101 to get in touch with us in the studio this morning. Uh, It's Saturday morning here, but Sue Eggersdorf, it must be Friday evening for you. Well, yes, it is. Good evening, everyone. I'm actually in Liverpool in the UK this evening, so it's wet and rainy here. Oh, not again. (laughs) Um, Look, spring is around the corner for you uh, as we're, of course, heading into autumn down here. Uh, I was really interested to hear about the work that is going on at Belong and read somewhere that I think it's maybe even something that you said that it was a radically human approach that was being taken. Tell me about the setup. Okay, uh, we're really excited about what we're we're doing over here. We've been doing it for nearly two years now. Um, we are a small charity called Ready Generations, and we're working with a much bigger partner, a care provider called Belong, and Belong have eight. Um, care villages across the northwest of, of England, and ours is a brand new build in partnership with them. Um, and they were really, really brave and ambitious in wanting to integrate a nursery into their care village in Chester. And we worked on the project together. It was about seven years in the planning. Um, and we now have a fully integrated children's day nursery, which means that the children and the old people not only live together, but they learn together. So they come to school together as such. And um, our older residents actually act as teachers for the children. So it's a win-win situation. So what does this involve, I suppose? What does a day in, a, a day in the life look like? <laughs> well, we have 27 children from the ages of about six months up to uh, preschool, which is four, four and a half here. And then we have older people from the ages of 60 right through to over 100. And we just uh, do some planned experiences and opportunities and invitations together. Um, And we also just have the spontaneous things that you would have if you lived in a community or you went to visit your grandma and granddad. Um, So we, we genuinely live together. So this isn't about it just being all built in the same area. This is about genuine integration. And what does that bring? Well, what's really fascinating is there are lots of wonderful models that are um, co-located. So they may be two separate buildings next to one another or quite close by and children or older people visit each other. I think we've been so lucky that we're all under one roof. So it is like having just a massive family all in one big house. Um, So our children... um, live like I used to live, actually, in my street, uh, where everybody looked out for everyone else. So the children go and call on their older friends. Uh, They have birthday parties together. They have celebrations together. They go out walking. 
they go to the park, they go on day visits. So they just we just live as one big happy happy family, which which sounds kind of um, I don't know a, a a bit revolutionary, but it actually works so well. And what we find is, um, whereas people, older people may feel quite socially isolated or lonely, or even invisible, um, this brings our older people back into um, sight and into the community in a way that they feel they're really contributing. So they do the nursery washing, they do the nursery ironing, they make, uh, they bake for the children and with the children. So it is just like one big happy family. The children refer to the older people as their grand friends, which I thought was rather yes, lovely. Yes, yes. Well, it's really interesting, and I'm sure you have it over over, um, over in New Zealand too, that many young families have had to move for work, um, so they don't always have grandparents or older family members close by. So our grandparents, our grandfriends, fill that gap. So our, our children learn to grow up with older people around them. For quite a few of the residents in the care facility side of things, how much yeah. did they have to do with their own children as they were growing up? <laughs> What's really interesting, it's funny you should say that, because I was talking to Bill today, and Bill is, is 94, and he was saying this is giving him another chance. He was always so busy when his own children were growing up. He worked away from home, and he feels now that he's really enjoying the pleasure of having young children around, and he, he actually has the time to to kind of pass on his skills and share some of his unique interests. He's, he's really interested in motorbikes. And uh, we all went round to a motorbike shop last week to have a look at motorbikes with Bill, and he showed us um, everything about them. So really, really fascinating connections and friendships. And what do the children make of it? Well, children are so adaptable, and there is something wonderful and intuitive about very young children so they really can lead us in um, respecting difference. They don't see it. So they don't see age as a barrier in any way. Our, our older friends are just their friends the same way as their peers are. So, you know, if you put them all in a room and you say, what are the you know, similarities and differences? They will say something like, well, Bill wears glasses like I do. Uh, they never actually notice age, mm. and I, I find that really fascinating. Now, I guess they're, for... Just, they're just friends. Yeah, absolutely. And for some of the people who live in the residential care facility, I guess, as they're getting older, they may, you know, physically things may be changing, but also for a lot of people, they may be beginning to experience perhaps the, the effects of things like dementia, how do the children yes. interact with that? Well, it's really interesting, isn't it, that, you know, dementia rates across the world are really skyrocketing. So I was just looking at some statistics from the World Health Organization um, just recently. And, you know, at the moment, currently, globally, 55 million people are living with dementia. And that's doubling 
roughly every 20 years. So dementia and cognitive decline is a real issue for us. But what we find is if we find the right activities, then our older residents living with dementia can join in. Um, and we find things that we can do together. So it is um, for them, it gives them an opportunity to engage at a level that works for them um, and to enjoy really meaningful activities alongside the children. So a lot of creative things, a lot of music, a lot of dance and drama are all things that our older residents, however frail or poorly they are, can join in with at their level and do as much or as little as they feel they're able to do. And do you have to follow um, a curriculum, a sort of a prescribed set of things that the children have to learn? Well, we do, like you do over there too. We have our statutory responsibilities from the English government, so we follow those. But what's really interesting is when you overlay what young children have to learn, it sits really comfortably with um, working with older people because it is about care, it is about um, you know creativity, it is about being playful. Um, and we find those are things that our older generation have in abundance. So our older people are great at playing. Uh, they're incredibly playful with the children. They're incredibly good at developing children's language and modeling language for them. Um, and, and just good at really uh, helping children to develop empathy and understanding of how relationships and friendships work. So we do have our statutory requirements and what we've done is build around them what we call a mirrored curriculum. So it mirrors what the children have to learn with what older people might like to do and enjoy. So we're mirroring. It's a bit like Janus looking both ways hmm. you know, to the older people and to the children. For going out, for doing some of the activities that you are uh, able to do and wanting to do. Um, how does that all work out with supervision and the ratios of adults to children and that kind of thing in this situation? Yeah, I mean, two of the biggest things that um, our regulators um, asked us when we were setting this up, there were two key things that were concerning them. Bearing in mind we were coming out of the global pandemic was infection control because your little children often have runny noses and little illnesses and, and that wasn't going to be good around older people. So we are very fastidious and very, very careful about managing infection control. So if a child is poorly, they wouldn't go perhaps and visit their grand friends that particular day. Um, and the other thing that concerned people was safeguarding. How do we safeguard children um, around older people that may not have been ha have checks in place? And, you know, if I said over the two years, we've never had an issue because the levels of supervision are very close and tight. The children are never left alone with the older people. And we have some very simple, basic rules like let's not um, pick children up because older people can be unsteady and frail and, and may fall over and hurt themselves and the child. And also about 
perhaps not kissing um, and cuddling children too much. We do have lots of cuddles, but again, it's all of that is carefully supervised. Mm. So we our our, um, our centre is right by a canal. And we go walking alongside the canal every day and people living with dementia are pushing our prams. Now, that might make people go risk, risk, you know, panic, panic. But we have specially adapted handles on our prams so that we have a carer either side of the person uh, pushing the pram. So that pram is going no way other than straight and, Mm. and safely. So there are always ways of of creatively adapting practice to make it work. And that's really the biggest part of our research is, you know, when people say you can't do that, well, let's find a way that says you can. So we look at risk benefits. What are the benefits of taking this risk? Mm. Um, And we manage those really, really very, very carefully. Because I guess you can also uh, run into issues around... um you know, perhaps culture clashes or old-fashioned attitudes. Um, How do you manage some of those sorts of situations? Well, you know, that's really interesting you should say that because really um, we've never had any issues with that. We really have not had any issues. Um, So sometimes um, older people have used language that may not be the language we might use today around diversity or inclusion, but it's never meant with ill intent. So we've never had any cultural clashes, um, any clashes around ageist responses. Um, We really have not had some of the issues that people thought we might have had, and indeed we thought we might have had. What we have really got is a flourishing, I call it a human ecosystem, where we just all find our own levels and we work together. So we, we, we're interrelated. So we, we don't expect the children to love every one of the older people and we don't expect the old, all the older people to want to be with the children all the time. But that's the same in any family. Mm. So we just manage it. It's just on a larger scale. And, and, you know, really wonderfully um, heartwarming is that the majority of the old pe- older people really do want to be with young children and spend time with them because it, it lifts the spirit mm. and makes them feel better. You're listening to Saturday Morning on RNZ National with Susie Ferguson. Uh, my guest is Sue Eggersdorf, who is the person who runs the nursery at Belong the first residential care village in the UK, which includes a fully integrated daycare centre for children. Um, It's an interesting uh, aspect, this, and you mentioned the research that is being done. What sorts of things particularly do you focus on? Well, we we actually focus on things. We're we're a Froebel nursery, and Friedrich Froebel was the guy that first um, coined the phrase kindergarten way, way back in um, the 1850s. And we, the nursery is a Froebel nursery. And that means that we look at relationships as being central to learning and development. We look at spirituality and nature. Um, And we also look at how we use time and how we slow time down. 
And certainly living alongside older people, older people won't be rushed. And what we're seeing in our research is how that is really helping children who are so busy in, in, in modern living and often rushed from one thing to the next, that actually helping them to perhaps have a slower um, kind of blend of activities throughout the day is actually enabling our children to feel more confident and more secure. Mm. So, you know, access to the natural world is, is the other thing that is really, truly, um, you know, effective for all ages. So lots of sensory experiences, smells, tastes, feelings, um, you know, uh, all of that. We have a lovely garden that we all spend a lot of time in. Which sounds like it sounds lovely. It sounds like a really fantastic project and a really interesting idea, although at the same time, one of our texters is, is pointing out that, you know, living in an extended family is a mainstay for so many cultures. Um, also, yeah. the indigenous culture of New Zealand, the Māori. Um, and this text is in from Dai, who says, you know, we should have state housing and social services support extended in this way to family living. Is yeah. this the kind of thing that you see as being very much a starting point and where do you anticipate or hope that it grows and goes to? <laughs> well, it's really interesting, all those points that your listeners have, have raised because people say to me, oh, Sue, this is really innovative. And I say, no, please stop. This is the oldest thing in the world. We've just brought it up to speed a little bit. This is how communities lived and many communities still do live so it, it is a very hum, human value-based kind of approach um, I think what is really interesting and what we've learned is when we talk to older people a lot of them would really like to stay in their own homes so if you ask me what an ambition might be um, it would be to develop this model that enabled bigger communities to actually look at um, co-housing models where we might have older people and young families and single people all living within one community and all kind of supporting each other in reciprocal ways. So there are quite a lot of kind of schemes like that developing in the UK and across the world where they are looking at what does a, a modern community model need to look like where all ages can live together in some kind of community development. Mm. Because the sorts of things that you're talking about, Sue, with high levels of supervision ratios and that sorts of things, I don't imagine it comes particularly cheap. <laughs> well, again, that's that's really interesting because nor does, um, you know, lots of admissions to hospitals come as very cheap. So we're looking at developing this and researching this as a preventative model. 
So we're beginning to look at research that says if we can prevent older people becoming frail by keeping them well, even for a year longer than anticipated, that has an incredible saving at the other end in terms of reactive services. So admissions to hospital, uh, broken hips, long stays in hospital and so on and so on and so on. So we are looking, and that's a big part of our research, about how this can be a preventative model that just redirects funding in a slightly different direction. Uh, and that's always a challenge because we tend to always be focused on reacting to things and the cost of reactive services. Mm, absolutely. Um, for the people who are the parents, I guess, who are putting their children into the nursery, is it essentially uh, a model that would be familiar to a lot of people over here, which is, I suppose, that of a daycare centre that you pay a certain amount for the day yeah. or whether it's a long day or a short day and that kind of thing. Is is that the way that it works? Yeah, it's exactly like that, exactly like um, over with you, that parents pay a daily fee that is has some kind of small subsidy from the state. So childcare in, in England is very expensive, um, even with that subsidy. So um, the, the daycare, the centre is open from um, eight o'clock till six o'clock every day. So the children stay for whole days, not half days. Um, and what's really interesting from parents' perspective is we were really concerned that parents wouldn't fully understand what they were um, coming to with all of the older people around. And we rang every parent and talked them through this in great detail to make sure they knew what where they were putting their child. And every one of the parents said, you don't need to describe and explain all this, Sue. This is what we've actually chosen. We want this. We want our children to engage with other generations and for there to be that connection and that learning between the generations. And we've had nothing but really good support from our parents. It's, it's been truly wonderful, their view that they wanted something a little bit different for their child. How did you first get interested in this particular area? Well, what's really interesting is I spent a whole career, many, many years, looking after very young children without really knowing much about adult social care until my own mum became very poorly. And um, then I started to see this other world and it just struck me how fabulous it would be to bring both groups together and certainly from my own mum's perspective, you know, she loved being with children and, you know, I would have loved this for her. And, and yeah, I'm hoping she's looking down from somewhere, being really proud of this because um, she really felt, as I do, that there is something intuitive that brings older people and very young children, you know, they intuitively are a great match. And that's what we found and that's what we're researching. Absolutely fantastic to talk to you. Thank you so much for making the time on a Friday night. Uh, Sue Eggersdorf <laughs> there, uh, talking to us here on Saturday morning. She is uh, the woman who runs the nursery at Belong, which is a residential care village in Chester in the UK and it includes a fully integrated children's nursery.